you may have walked in tonight and said, um, oh, we're having communion tonight. And you probably responded in different ways. Some may have responded, oh, we're having communion tonight. And you say, why would, why would anybody respond that way? Um, I can remember as a kid responding that way. I'm not saying it's a right way to respond, but, and some may have responded, oh, we're having communion tonight, finally. And some may have responded, oh, we're having communion tonight. Um, whatever your response is, I pray tonight that we really would come to see nothing new will be said tonight. There's never anything new that's said because there's nothing new under the sun. But I pray that it will, will serve as a reminder to us as a memorial. You know, we, we've just come through July 4th and, and I love the 4th of July and incidentally, I got several texts with pictures of waffles with blueberries, red raspberries, and whipped cream on it, and some even had bacon on it, and they made a flag out of it. Your, your creativity is, is wonderful, okay? Um, and I, I love the, the 4th of July for so many reasons, but one of them is that it, it makes us go back and realize the price that has been paid for the freedom, it, it makes us go back and think about our history. And one of the things that, that are sure to doom a society is when we're not aware of our history. And the whole purpose of communion is to remind us of the sacrifice that was made so that we have the liberty, so that we have not just, as we mentioned this morning, the old nature, but we have the Spirit of God dwelling within us. And and he mentions in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, writing to the church, and God designed communion to be carried out in in the setting of a local church, so it means it's for believers who have followed the Lord in the waters of baptism and have identified membership in a church and and are seeking to obey Him. But he, he wrote to them and he began instructing them in verse 23 of 1 Corinthians 11. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup 
after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if any man is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment. And the rest I will set in order when I come. So he gives specific instructions to what the purpose of the Lord's Supper is, and some instructions about how to carry it out. And and basically, summing up the purpose, he said, this do, when he took the bread, when he took the juice, he said, this do in remembrance of me. Communion is to remember Christ. And, and we all say, I, I remember Christ, I know about Christ. But it does us well, even even as in American history, you know, it. oh, I know about the Constitution, I know about George. It does us well to come back and and revisit these things. And and each year it seems like we can learn something new and come to value and appreciate even more. And so it is as we come together to remember Christ. And, and when I think of this, there are a number of things that stand out. First of all, to remember his servant's heart. Philippians chapter 2 tells us, "...who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, he was God, but he took upon himself the form of a servant." I mean... The reality of this, that, that Christ obeyed the Father and willingly left heaven with, with all of the, the comforts and everything of heaven and humbled himself and didn't come on the scene as the king. He didn't come on the scene as a celebrity. He came in obscurity. He came in humility, and he manifested a servant's heart. Now, as we go through these tonight, I want you to apply each of these points to your own life. Yes, we're remembering Christ. We're remembering that he manifested and portrayed a true servant's heart. But I want us to make application in our lives. Do I truly have a servant's heart? Do I expect to be served? Christ came not to be served, 
but to minister to others. And and this all lines up with what we went over this morning uh, from the aspect, these are all things that the Spirit of God is leading us to. You know this is the will of God. And no matter what we're called to serve in, we will never stoop lower than Christ did. You think about it, Christ never asked us to do anything that he hasn't already done. And so much more. What does it mean when we willingly serve others? We're not, we're not covering a gap near like Christ covered. But he was willing to be a servant. So we're remembering his servant's heart. Secondly, we're remembering his submission. You remember the account in the Garden of Gethsemane. Christ knew what lay ahead. Crucifixion was uh, for the worst of criminals. And knowing what lay ahead of him, he prayed earnestly and he said, Lord, if it be possible... Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That submission, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And because he willingly humbled himself to become a servant and submitted to the will of the Father... We today have the opportunity to submit to the old nature or to the Spirit of God. And sometimes we, we struggle with this submitting to the Spirit of God. Now, this seems like a hard thing to do, Lord. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Anything that God asks us to do, there may be challenges, and it may be difficult, but it will never compare to what Christ did. And what we're remembering tonight is his servant's heart. We're remembering his, his submission, Philippians 2 again, the passage we alluded to earlier, said that he became obedient unto death. None of us here tonight, it's clearly evident, none of us here tonight have, have we been called through obedience that leads to death. His obedience led to death. So we're remembering his submission. We're also here remembering his crucifixion. We have shared before, we're not going to tonight, but a medical description of Christ's suffering on the cross. And everything in the Bible is accurate and true. He literally did sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. When they pierced his side... What flowed from his side was an evidence of a broken heart. It's an evidence of um, 
the medical condition that that he was dead. But you think of not only the crucifixion. This is God in the flesh, and they call him the son of the devil. They say he's a false teacher. He's leading people astray. He was slandered. He was misunderstood entirely. He was forsaken by those that for three years he invested his life and soul into their lives. All twelve of the disciples forsook him. And then that suffering, then it led to the crucifixion. So when Paul says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. He, he made this very real in his life. When, when you take the bread tonight, it's symbolic. It tells us, this is my body which was broken for you. I mean, he willingly submitted himself to the, the lashes, the whipping and scourging, to the spitting in his face, to the slapping him, to all of that, let alone the pain of the crucifixion. As Isaiah said, he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. And so we're remembering, and, and, and it ought to have a sobering effect on our minds Tonight that I sit here tonight redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, but it cost him his life. We're remembering his crucifixion. We're remembering, fourthly, his love for the unlovely. We mentioned this morning, he loved us while we were yet sinners. It wasn't, it wasn't anything attractive about us that made him come. We were repulsive. We were, um, wretched sinners. He is a holy God separate from sin. But God in the flesh came and took upon him our sin to the point that the Father could not stand to, to see this. And, and in realizing this suffering that he endured was motivated about a, because of a love for the unlovely. In our lives, God brings people that it may be hard to love. In our lives, people that we really love, there are times that it's 
really hard to love them. And whatever situation you find yourself in, look to Calvary. Be reminded tonight, His body and His blood are an evidence of His genuine love for the unlovely, and we will never be asked to love anyone greater than the love that He's manifested for us. A genuine love for the unlovely. And remember tonight His forgiving Spirit. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The songwriter says, He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. And instead, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know, in our lives, there come offenses. And we can hold on to them, and we can be bitter, and we can mull them over, or we can say, Father, forgive them, and leave it to the Father. And we're reminded tonight, we have forgiveness in Christ. We are pardoned, we are set free. We, The songwriter says, my sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. This is what we're remembering, that, that we have this because of His forgiveness. And we are also remembering, verse 26, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till He comes. We're remembering this fact that he rose victorious from this death and he is coming again. As we remember this, it's not just a a looking back. It's not just remembering, although that is a very big part of this. But it is also remembering that he rose victorious from this. And he is coming again. And Paul said, you are showing forth the Lord's death till he comes. He is alive and coming again. And it ought to be a time of celebration for us. I am one of his. I am rejoicing that I am a member of his family. And someday soon he's coming again. And because of his body and his blood, I know that I will be caught up to meet him in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And I love that last verse in 1 Thessalonians 4. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. There is great comfort to know that the body and the blood of Jesus Christ took care of all of our sin. And guarantees a home in heaven, and he is coming again. Maranatha, right? Come again. Some are thinking it's time to leave. We just said Maranatha, right? 
But the reality is, this is, this is a time for us to be renewed with a heart of thanksgiving and say, God, thank you that you were willing to take upon yourself a form of a servant and willing to submit your will and willing to suffer for us and willing to love me, the unlovely, and willing to forgive that you were forgiving in all your ways. And Lord, thank you that you're coming again. It ought to fill us with thanksgiving. It also ought to challenge us. Lord, help me to to have a servant's heart. How do you want me to serve you this week? Help me to love the unlovely. Help me to say this week, as the Spirit prompts us to say, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Who is it God's asking you to forgive? And be encouraged, he is coming again. So tonight, as we partake of the Lord's Supper, you're here tonight as a believer that has obeyed the Lord in the waters of baptism. You've identified with the local assembly. We, we encourage you to, to rejoice and remember. And as you hold the bread, To stop and say, God, thank you for your suffering. Thank you for your body that was broken on my behalf. As you hold the cup to say, Lord, if it were not for the shedding of blood, I would be hopeless. And this juice is symbolic of your blood. And because of that, I have the forgiveness of sins. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask as I pray the men that will be helping serve communion tonight to come. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your design of this memorial. Thank you for the privilege that we have tonight. To remember, to remember your sacrifice, your servant's heart, your forgiving spirit, your great, great love. Lord, to remember the forgiveness that we have through you. And I pray. that our hearts would be filled with a greater love for you as we take time to remember what you've done. And Lord, I pray that we would have the respect and reverence and fear of you that if we have sin in our life that we have not dealt with, that we would not make a mockery of this by remembering what you did while at the same time loving the sin that caused your death and suffering. And Lord, I pray that there would not be a disregard for your word and your ways, but Lord, that we would make things right, that this would be a purifying time, 
that it would be a remembering time, that it would be a time that creates hope as we look forward to your coming again. And Lord, that you would truly be pleased at what is done in our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.